0: of Indigenous Roots and Hoots. Indigenous Roots and Hoots is a podcast production of the Legacy of Hope Foundation, exploring and discussing Aboriginal culture and topics of special interest for all Canadians. I'm your host, Gordon Smets. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me uh she's a manager at the Legacy Hope Foundation she grew up in Northern Ontario and uh, she's Yoji way I believe um I'll let her tell you more about herself so Irene Irene Goodwin is our guest today uh maybe Irene you could just start by talking a bit about what what yourself, including your family, where you were born, and a bit of your cultural identity.
1: Hello, Gordon. Uh, thank you for having me. Wasehneewa, uh, mangan Um My uh, given name is um, Irene Goodwin. Uh, my indi- Indigenous name was given to me by my elders in Northwestern Ontario. Uh, essentially, the translation Wasehneewa is to see far um uh, inkeno nakwashka is the um, wolf star woman so um, uh, altogether the name is uh, denotes uh, being able to see um, with, as well as with uh, using the wolf uh, and the star and I, uh, as you mentioned, I'm Ojibwe, I come from the Treaty 3 and the Treaty 9 areas, and I grew up in a northern community in the northwest of Ontario, and I was fortunate to spend um, some time on the trap lines.
0: Wow, interesting. Um, tell us a bit about your, your job and how's that going? I understand, you know, you're, you are the manager of the exhibits and also work on special projects. Maybe talk a little bit about that before we get into the, the main part of this podcast.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, I work with the Legacy of Hope Foundation. I've been there for just over two years now. I'm the manager of exhibitions and curatorial projects. Uh, we currently have 18 exhibits, uh, with two in development. Uh, so by the end of 2020, we should have 20 exhibits. Um, the Legacy of Hope Foundation, as you are aware, is an organization that uh, seeks to educate Canadians and the population about the residential school system and its ongoing impacts on the Indigenous community. So many of our exhibitions are um, aimed towards that subject matter, as well as uh, um, related subjects uh, such as the Sixty Scoop and Missing and Murdered.
0: I understand that you uh, we just finished a project that I happen to be on. And that's the escaping project? So how's that going? When is that coming to completion?
1: Uh, we're, um, as I mentioned, we have two projects in development right now. One of them is the Escaping Residential Schools, um, which is the project you are, were a survivor participant in. Uh, the other one is One Gotten. that's a project aimed on missing and murdered. Both of those projects right now are in the uh, content or fabrication stage. So the Escaping exhibit has uh, completed all its content and is right now in the fabrication stage stage due to the COVID-19 travel restrictions, um, we have had to uh, postpone launch dates. So initially the escaping project would have been launched at the end of March um, because of all the traffic travel restrictions, we have postponed that launch date. And at this point we're now looking at rather than having um, a physical launch for that particular exhibit, because we want to launch it as soon as possible. um, We're looking at doing a, um, a uh, um, a more of a virtual launch. Um, So something like that in June, potentially. Uh, The Wanishgatan exhibit, um, that we did push the date back by about a month. So we're hoping we can launch that in August. Um, Again, we with that particular um, launch event, included the national um, gathering of families. So we may actually have to push that to September. Um, Again, just being mindful of whatever travel restrictions we have in place uh, due to the pandemic.
0: With, uh, I guess I should say, growing up as a child in Northern Ontario, uh, you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, were you taught your traditional language and culture and who taught you? How was that like growing um,
1: up? Yeah, um, initially I spoke fluent Jipwe I was able to read and write syllabics. Um, I lost the language shortly after beginning um, Indian day school. Um, when I was maybe about four years old. Uh, my family, the Delts and extended relatives often spoke Ojibwe or a combination of OG Cree. Um, so the language was all around. Uh, but I think it's also important to note that they were forced to attend the government-run residential schools. And they also struggled with maintaining culture, language, and traditions. So um, it, it was really a mixed um, mixed environment where there was English being spoken, um, some some language. So a, a mix of half English, half uh Ojibwe, um, and then same thing with the culture. So in, in many ways, there was a shaming of the Indigenous ways, but there was also the um, uh, other ways taking place in, in a more hidden way, if that makes any sense.
0: Sure. It's happened to me, yeah. I also went to Indian Residential School, and that's the escaping project that I was involved in. I also went to the uh, federal day school, and uh, I was uh, more at home, and uh, I found it uh, somewhat easier uh, to, to to live on the reserve and go to school. But uh, it had drawbacks too. So, uh, yeah. So this podcast is about Aboriginal culture and sharing your knowledge and humor. You know, as Indigenous people, we have many stories passed down. I understand you have a particular interest in the Sasquatch, or as known in other places as Bigfoot. Maybe we can uh, talk about that and your experiences. You know, I, uh, where I come from, uh, Sasquatch is uh, is uh, is a legend, and um, in many people's minds. It's uh, it's alive and real, and uh, some people, you know, are not quite convinced, you know. And uh, there's been many people, experiences, stories, and uh, about Sasquatch and uh, and uh, this intriguing creature that seems to exist around us, you know. And uh, what's your what's your experience? How do you feel about it?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it would be fun to chat about uh, Sabe, that's what we call him in Ojibwe, Saskatchewan Bigfoot
0: Sabe
1: S-A-B-E yeah.
0: oh, Wow, that's interesting
1: Yeah, so um, um, I guess with, uh, for me I've been hearing about um, him in some way, either um, directly or indirectly since I was a small child um, You know, I mentioned um, being on the trap line with my aunt and uncle um, So Um, you know, when, um, when you're a small child, sometimes you listen to adults more closely when they start talking in the low mumbles and, um, from time to time, they start whispering in Ojibwe, right? So that as a small child, I was one of the nosy ones, I suppose. And that's when, when I heard the Ojibwe start going into the low, low hushed Ojibwe, uh, uh, speaking language, I knew that they were going to talk about something that they didn't really want me to listen to, um. So as a, just just telling a little for example, um, there was one time I was in uh, Northwestern Ontario, a place called Whitewater Lake, and I was with my auntie and my uncle at their tra- um, their trapping cabin, which is uh, really remote. so that's about three days um, traveling over the land and the water to get to that area at that time. So there's no humans around. It was just the three of us in in a trapper's cabin, a one one room trapper's cabin with a uh, with a wood stove in the corner. Um, so my aunt and my um, my uncle and myself were there. My aunt and I were inside the cabin, and my uncle was outside, and he was chopping wood. And I think it was late fall, just before the uh, the winter set in. So he was he was he was needing to chop some wood, and it was starting to get get dark. Then he comes in uh, really quickly uh, into the cabin, and he he shuts the door and he locks it, and he moves over to my aunt, and he's kind of standing there looking a little startled, and she says to him in a Jibway, "What's you know what's wrong with you?" And um, right away he looks over at me, and he goes into hushed tones, and he's speaking in a and uh, they're they're hushing whisper whisper talk w- between each other. So I came and I started to try to listen. And I realized that he was telling her that there was something walking on the ridge, just 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 above and behind the cabin, and um, and that was it had scared him. So he had come, he stopped chopping the wood, and he came into the cabin. Um, so, again, they heard me listening to them um, talking about that, and they, they stopped talking. So I always, always wondered, you know, what was that something um, that made my uncle, who who grew up in the remote woods all his whole life, uh, he be- very rarely came out of the uh, communities, uh, the northern communities. So he was familiar with the landscape, the environment, all the animals there. You know, nothing would chase that man, uh, you know. Away, uh, aside for something that would startle him or be unusual, such as the Sabe or the the bigfoot. Um, so that's just one example of something that um, that had happened as a small child that had initially caught my attention and made me wonder, what is that that's that's walking in the woods that they worry about from time to time that that as a small t- child i was told you know be care- be careful there's coco co- co- in the woods right you know, and don't wander too far and there was other times that they would scan the forest and say yeah it's perfectly fine you go out and collect whey you know the um, birch bark so that it can make fire or something like that or i'd go cut ch- cut um cut uh, uh branches um so that they could uh make bedding uh, for the tents or whatnot um other times they were they were they would scan the environment and they'd say no 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 you you can't do that you know you have to stay really close to the to the campsite and I, was, I always used to wonder like what are they afraid of in the bush that there's some, definitely something odd out there that 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 they're not really talking about so as I got older uh you know you start seeing um in the 70s there was that program there with uh Leonard Nimoy, you know, In Search of Bigfoot. Uh, you might have seen, seen that one back then. And, of course, there was a Patterson film that came out in the uh, the early 70s, too. So a lot of that had caught my attention. Um, and then when I got became older, I started um, paying more attention to uh, what was going on. And we had started to live near this place called Uppsala, Ontario. It's between Kenora and Thunder Bay. And the community... Uh, that we lived in wasn't Upsala. It was north of Upsala along the CNR, uh, CNR line, and that community was maybe about um, 20 minutes uh, further north from where uh, Upsala is, which itself is maybe about three hours away from Thunder Bay. But in that particular area, there was a lot of things that would happen, and. Um, Uh, we thought that there was definitely uh, the Sasquatch in that area. You know, so a number of incidents from fishing fishing to being um, uh, followed, that kind of stuff. And I know in northwestern Ontario, there's a lot of the... um, remote communities there that also reported seeing seeing Bigfoot, you know, that startled them in the communities or that they witnessed walking along the side of the, the lake. So I think pretty much my whole life I've heard stories of Bigfoot and I found it quite fascinating. And I believe it's a real creature. Well, you
0: know, well. So you believe it's a, it's, it's a living creature?
1: I believe it's a living creature. Um, there's a lot of different speculations, of course, right? So um, because Bigfoot is, um, is pretty much seen on every continent of this planet. Um, every nation, indigenous nation has some kind of word for it, right? So Sasquatch is comes from the Coast Salish or the West Coast Indians, they call it call it Sasquatch. Um, more modern humans refer to it as Bigfoot, um, like the Bella Cola nation. Um, on the West Coast, they, they refer to them as bogs. And I think, uh, and there's also, you can hear the word skokum being used, uh, which is a Chinook word that means big or powerful. Um, and then there's a, another West Coast nation that called the Sasquatch um, uh, uh, Sitko, seat, which means um, spirit in uh, uh, Salish so, the uh, you know, so there's different names. Uh, Chickasaw calls it um, Lofa, uh, Cho- Choctaw call it Zompe. Uh So there's different different names for it. And even the Shayan, uh, their word for it, when you translate it to English, um, comes out sounding like big spirit being. So even yeah. within the indigenous nations, some of that translation is referring to it as big, powerful or a spirit or some kind of being and in some of the stories they say that it's both you know it's both yeah. physical and it's spirit in some they say it's more this and it's more that um, it's interesting though i find i find it really like it's, it's a topic that's always fascinated me especially when you think about all other parts of the world they have the same kind of being if that's what it is right so in Nepal, for example, they have the Yeti, you know, so people know that as like the Ab- Abondo snowman uh, that's supposed to live in the Himalayan mountains. And then in the same area, uh, another type of Yeti, they call it the Me- Mete or something like that, that lives in the upper yeah. uh, Tibetan forest. Mm-hmm. And then in the um, uh, the Caucasus mountains, they have the Almasti or the almas. And then China has this, has this uh, Bigfoot that they call the Yeren. And then uh, I think South America has has a Bigfoot. Brazil has one. Um, Indonesia, they have the orange pendic. And in, in Australia, they have the yaoi. And that one, they say the yaoi looks really similar to the Sasquatch. You know, it's five to ten feet tall. Um, and the word yaoi, the way they spell it's uh, y o W-I-E, but it comes from the um, aboriginal word um, Yui, which is Y-U-W-I, and that means dream spirit. So even, um, even like um, how, how the Australian aborigines consider that being there is very similar how, how the indigenous people in North America consider that being as potentially a dream spirit or, or some type of spirit.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It hasn't been caught or or found, uh, you know, remnants of it. Uh, maybe that's why it's, you know, part spirit. And uh, I know that I've read a little bit about it. And uh, in particular, I just found it fascinating that uh, it was seen in uh, parts of northern Russia and... Uh, of course, all over Canada. So even where I come from in uh, northern Manitoba, I had some friends who were hunting along the Churchill River and uh, they came across some tracks that were you know, not human and that they were you know, basically, you know, it was space too far for a human to, to, to trace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I came, the the foot, the footprints came out of the water, uh, walked along the beach and then cut straight up this hill. And, uh, it would be next to impossible for a regular person, the normal person to walk up this hill, which is full of trees and pretty steep. So that's where, that's where the tracks led and, uh, and I guess the same group of people, uh, I guess along the same trip were, uh, were camped out and, uh, middle of the night, they started hearing this eerie screaming in the bushes and, uh, it was not, it was a sound that they never heard before. These guys are hunters, so they know all the animal sounds, so, uh. But this this sound was howling was so eerie that they couldn't sleep all night. So it's uh, tells a little bit about you know you know it makes it more intriguing you know yeah where is this thing you know is it really alive? That's what I find.
1: Yeah, I find that so fascinating because, just as you said, these are people very often that witness this this creature or this being, and they themselves have spent a lot of time in the forest. Like they're they're not going to mistake something. You know, they know definitely what a bear is, what a moose looks like in various angles. They're not going to mistake that, right? And and um, there's various sightings. Like you know, I can tell you one of. Uh, one that I found, um, I heard about was really interesting It came from a Northwestern uh, Ontario First Nation community, a remote community, and it was from the elders in that community and they were, um, they were a little upset, um, about, about that, that there was a Sasquatch around, a family around, and it wasn't that they were upset about the, them being around. What they were upset about is that they had been witnessed eating garbage from the garbage dump and that had upset the elders that this this being was now eating human garbage and and they thought that that shouldn't be so because their teachings and what they had shared at that time was that the the sabe he's the keeper of the medicines so so he should not be eating Uh, the garbage, right? So um, that particular uh, story, there had been three, again, robust men, uh, men in the community, I believe one of them was a council member, Um, and they had been doing a garbage run. So they had collected garbage from some some of their family members and had loaded the truck up. And they had gone to the dump to go empty out the truck. And as you would expect in the remote community there's always bears in the dump so they're they're never ever surprised when you throw something in and then you see the bears run up on the other side yeah. like that you know right. um yeah. so you know they got like two or three bags in and they're watching you know the bears slowly going up and he said he may maybe halfway through he said there was still one one big bear that you could see there's on the bottom that hadn't moved and they they kept throwing the thing out and one of the guys was standing there and he lit a cigarette. And he said, all of a sudden that thing moved, but it didn't, wasn't a bear. It stood upright, turned around, and looked at them, and then it walked right over top of the, and they freaked out, right? They they got so upset, they didn't finish um, emptying the garbage. Like, the men were so startled, they jumped yeah. into the, the truck. The guy that had been trying to light his cigarette didn't actually get it lit. Like, he, he was like did one of those and they scrambled well, into they the truck and drove off. Right. So, so again, so. yeah, again, these are big, big hunting men, men that I would, I would say, you know, um, you can scare these guys, but right. they, they right. ran away from the the dump in, in a rush. So again, that story coming from elders, um, was their concern that these, these creatures were eating garbage or digging through the garbage in, in the community dump. So, yeah, I found that story was really interesting because it had nothing to do about whether they were real or not. It was a genuine concern that they were, um, you know, even eating garbage.
0: Yeah. There's also, um, I think it was on one of the TV channels, could be APTN, um, somewhere in BC where uh, they kept hearing a sound come out of the woods near their community, but they couldn't figure out where this odd sound was coming from. Mm-hmm. And in that same, I think it was the same community where uh, a little boy was walking uh, in the woods and uh, came across this. Uh, what he described was uh, a Sasquatch, uh, looking at him and... Uh, and I, I guess as the uh, as the Sasquatch proceeded to walk toward him, he took off, ran off back to his community, and and got uh, told one of his parents, father, I think it was, about the incident, and they went back, of course, and, uh, checked it out, but uh, you know the Sasquatch, this this creature was, have gone, you know, but, uh, but I mean, like, uh, a child, uh, would not tell a big story like that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially, and hunters, you know, and elders, yeah. you know.
1: And I know, um, uh, uh, my parents, uh, came back from a fishing trip once, um, uh, really early, and, um, and this is, again, is near, uh, near, um, near Thunder Bay maybe about three hours north of Thunder Bay. they had gone fishing to this lake we called Funny Lake and um, it's a it's a lake that you need to um, go off a remote road to access. and even on that road, you know how there's a swampy area and you have to navigate uh, a canoe in a, a narrow narrow Marshed. waterway just to get yeah the marsh just to get to the lake on the other side.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and they had to do that with a van so they had taken a canoe in there. Uh, my mom and my my dad and their 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 fishing gear um, unloaded the canoe. They navigated to the lake, and and at the far side of the lake was a nice bay, and the fish was really good in that bay. So they were they right away didn't waste any time on the lake part. They they canoed right toward the bay, and uh, my mom was saying as soon as they got into that bay, they could smell this overwhelming smell, very powerful scent. And um, I guess she was paddling, and she was wondering what is that smell. And she didn't say anything to my dad, and I guess he was wondering the same thing. And uh, while they were just getting ready to uh, to you know lift their paddles and start to get their um, their fishing gear and their rods out, um, they got yelled at. So they heard this Rah! big scream, and it was and it was in a bay, so the sound was really loud. And I guess my yeah. mom said she just kind of put her rod down, grabbed her paddle, and, and continued paddling. And her and my dad didn't say anything to each other. I guess my dad did the same thing. Just They just started paddling, right? So the smell was very overwhelming. Yeah. They just got screamed at by something that wasn't happy that they were in that bay. So they paddled all the way across the, the lake again to the van. And it wasn't until they got to the van that my mom asked my dad what was that in in the bay? Like they, they were so uh, afraid that they didn't even speak. They just they just uh, canoed in in silence all the way to back to the van. And when they got to the to the van, my dad said, "I'm pretty sure that was a sasquatch, right?" So they, there was no hesitating uh, when they heard that sound. They smelled that smell, that and they got yelled at. That that they had to leave, right? So no conversation. They came back. They told us about that. We avoided that lake for a little while, even though it was a really good fishing lake. Um, but I know for part of that summer anyways, the guys didn't go there because, um, you know, our parents told us there might be a Sasquatch in that that area. Yeah, so lots of stories like that, Northwestern Ontario. Yeah. We have so much in our family. It's, it's, you know, we just kind of laugh about it sometimes when we tease mm-hmm. and other about just being freaky about the bush even though we grew up
0: there right yeah it always amazes me how like um, especially trappers um, that go out alone you know uh, for two months out the middle of nowhere you know (laughs) i'd be a little freaked out i guess you know uh, but uh, you know these guys are in their elements and uh, it's where they feel most comfortable doing it all their lives so
1: yeah, it's funny because uh, one of my uh, cousins right now he still is out in the northern uh, woods, right? So in the north, um, where they have the remote fishing uh, lodges and outpost lodges that the Americans go go pay big bucks for. So he's way out there in the in the remote uh, communities, which is the same area that uh, that I tra- traversed as a child as well, where the trap lines were. Right. So every once in a while, we get on Facebook, and we chat it up about what's going on with each other. And uh, I'll usually ask him, so how's the Bigfoot activity up there, right? What's it mm-hmm. like in Water Lake? Yeah. And, he, and he and he goes, oh, he goes, well, I've been, uh, been getting gifts. And I thought, yeah, well, yes. you've been getting gifts. Yeah, you've been getting gifts. He goes, he goes, yeah, there's a female Bigfoot here. And I think she likes me because she'll every once in a while leave some pebbles or some feathers just down the door. And, and he said that the, they can hear the screaming occasionally during the evenings, right? So the lodge owners will ask him every once in a while, um, "What's that noise?" Because they get they get afraid, and he'll say, "Oh, it's just mating moose." And sometimes he'll say <laughs> it's it's fighting. The the lynx are fighting in, in the yeah. forest. Don't worry about that, right? So right. So, he, so he said uh, that particular lodge um, in that lake has actually been sold two or three times over the last twenty years. Mm. And he said the last owners sold it because they were afraid of the noises.
0: Yeah. So he, he said
1: yeah. The, the new owners now he's he's not telling them what he thinks it is, right? So right. but in our conversations back and forth, he says he's pretty sure it's a female. It's a female uh, Sasquatch, a sabe, that's walking around that area, maybe looking for a mate. And, you know, she comes in and to the lodge every once in a while, sees what they're up to. Yeah.
0: Well, wow. <laughs> Very interesting. I've been talking to um, Irene Goodwin. She's the manager of the Legacy of Hope Foundation exhibitions. And uh, this is a, one of her special interests, Sasquatch. Bigfoot. There are many, many legends and myths in Aboriginal culture, and uh, we hope to be exploring more of those as um, as this project continues. Um, Thank you for joining us, Irene, and uh, always interesting to talk to you. Um, I'm just uh, there's another part of this, the last part of this podcast. Called uh, roots and hoots, and uh, we just explored a bit about uh, roots, Aboriginal culture, and the other part is hoots. Hoots is uh, is in reference to Aboriginal humour, I guess. You know, there's humour in every culture, uh, Native culture, and uh, that's probably one of our most common denominators. Um, the Aboriginal people. Love to laugh and tell stories, jokes. So, um, to end this podcast, Irene, I wonder if you have a funny story or a joke for us to tell?
1: Um, well, I guess I could tell one maybe related to the Savay, right? The Sanskrit. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so, so a group of Sasquatch, of course, they've, they've you know, um, purchased this camera equipment and they've, they've gone and had a lot of fun taking pictures and whatnot, having a really good time. And then uh, they get their pictures back and then they, they're they all very upset. So there they are at the um, the photo development lab and they've got the receipts and they're trying to get their their money back. And their big complaint is all their photos are blurry.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's a hoot. All right.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter how much money they spent, they're going to come out blurry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, Irene, thank you very much again. And uh, uh, this is Roots and Hoots coming from you from the Legacy Hope Foundation. I hope you join us again in uh, future uh, podcasts. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me. Roots and Hoots is produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. For more podcasts like this, please visit our website at legacyofhope.ca.